0: Possession crucial from this, how much longer will the referee allow? Dublin lead by us, oh, and there's the whistle,
1: it's over, it's over! We earned it by winning the last two matches on the road, and that's not going to be taken away from us. But what I love in Hurling, I love players that will never give in. He hits it, he hits it, it's over the bar! Oh, holy
2: Moses! Hello, welcome to the RTGA podcast. We warned you we'd be back. Um, Rory spent the... uh, Rory spent his few weeks in his uh, Italian bolt hole and I was in uh, I was doing tours of Wexford and Kilkenny. You know, just all, all the Leinster hurling strongholds. Bar one, of course, which is Westmead. Uh, I'll get to that in a second. Um, we're joined this viva-less,
1: week... viva La split season, Mikey. Yes, yes, indeed. <laughs> you do look tanned, Rory.
2: Um, we're joined this week by uh, former intercounty hurling referee Barry Kelly and current club referee Barry Kelly, and also by Marty Coyle, um, a 21-year-old um, football referee from County Tyrone. Um, so we're going to have a little chat off the back, obviously, of the, the incident involving referee Kevin Nocton in Roscommon, just about the current state of refereeing and kind of the challenges facing the organisation and individual referees. So just to say thank you very much for joining us, gentlemen. Are you well? Good,
0: thanks. Yeah, thanks, Hi,
2: Good stuff, uh, Barry. Uh, I mentioned Westmead as a as a Leinster hurling stronghold because for the first time in thirty six years the county has an All Star nominee in um, as uh, forward uh, Killian Doyle, which is great recognition. Thirty six years since they were were last nominated, which is when obviously they won their one and only All Star David Kilcoyne. I won't say that was a fact I knew before yesterday when I was kind of writing this story up for this morning, but um. Great recognition for Killian, who obviously had had a had a stunning season, um, one of the top scorers in the championship.
0: Yeah, brilliant! Like a he gifted hurler and uh, a nice fellow, very nice fellow to boot, actually as well. And uh, he, uh, yeah, fabulous wrists and just ability to score points from all kind of angles and distances. Never fails to amaze at club and inter county level. lovely recognition, great for great for the team, great for Killian himself, his club Raharney. His dad, Michael Doyle, who's put in a lot of work in his coaching over the years, and lots of lads from Raharney. It's great recognition for the Raharney Club, great club. Uh, and a uh, bit of lucky for Tommy Jogger Doyle, no relation, but he's a, a Collinstown man who had a supreme year as well. And, uh, and yeah, it's lovely. And then good for Joe Forge as well, who has brought a great impetus to Westmeath hurling. And as I said, we were kind of glad to hang on to Joe and not saying that Joe was looking for another job, but you know, the Dublin job came for grabs. Uh, and no doubt that Joe is very well regarded in Dublin hurling. So Yeah. Uh yeah. Just a I love you both and great recognition for Killian and, and uh the Doyle family and Raharney and Westmead in general. Great.
2: Yeah. At the other end of the uh, of the spectrum, Marty, quite the quite the fall for the Tyrone footballers <laughs> from All Ireland champions to not a single All Star nominee. <laughs> but I imagine knowing Tyrone football uh in the depths of the club championship at the moment, uh intercounty issues or lack of all star nominations probably aren't really at the forefront of anybody's mind, are they?
3: Well, it's, it, it has been a very tough year for Throne after such a high, um, but I'm almost very confident that Virgil and Brian will get the current day back to where it should be. Yeah. Fingers sure you're, crossed. Yeah. Yeah.
2: You're used to winning on all Ireland and then the arse falling out of it the year after. It's kind of what Tyrone have, have always done for some strange reason. They're not alone in that, but it's very always very striking with Tyrone. Um I'll stick with you, Marty, there for a second because I think it it, it probably a lot of people be quite interested in your entry into to refereeing. You know, you're, you're one now, you're refereeing championship level in Tyrone, which has just meant like you know, people think Tyrone Club Football is just like, you know, it's one of the most competitive out there, the 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 role of honour, you know, it's nearly a new club every year, very hard to defend, etc. Great tradition in football in the county. So people will be asking how the hell did a 19 year old get into it um a couple of years ago? And you might tell us how the the role that Peter Ganavan played in your uh, refereeing career.
3: Uh, yes, I started if, if my memory serves me right, I started refereeing just when I turned 17. Um, I was playing minor football still at the from a club, Fire Ox. Still playing uh, until I lost interest in the playing side when I just got fed up, really. And then with my dad also being a Referee at the time, uh, I somehow just some chance I went onto Facebook and I seen Tyrone on Facebook. They put up this wee leaflet about refereeing, and then I said, um, "I think I should give this a go." And hmm. yeah, here I am, <laughs> still, <laughs> still, still, knocking away.
2: <laughs> and uh, Peter Canavan was your PE teacher, and he kind of he encouraged you to to give it a crack, did he?
3: Yes, he did, Uh, Peter, a great teacher of mine for seven years in Holy Trinity College. Um, I was always getting out of class, just the referee games, (laughs) thanks to him. and uh, I don't know if uh, it sort of helped out in a way as well.
2: Yeah, well, you know, if God tells you to referee, you have to go and referee, really, don't you? <laughs> yeah, very true. <laughs> um, Barry, how about yourself? How, what was your introduction to, to refereeing?
0: Yeah, it's has got like some similarities. And listen to Marty there. I remember when I was in insert, uh, there was a, a game between two third-year teams. And uh, the two manager, or the two men in charge of each team, uh, somehow picked me to, to referee this game. Uh I was, whatever, 17, 18, and referee the game, just a kind of an inter, inter-class or inter-school thing, between our inter-class thing. And, uh, but again, I suppose, an interest Martin mentioned there about his dad, and, uh, you know, it's reasonably really well noticed him. My, my dad umpired for Paddy Collins for a good number of years, and, and I went with them to various matches uh, at six, seven years of age. Uh, I'm sure they really didn't appreciate another cars back then, and, uh, probably not as big as cars today and so on, but five men and a young fella. Like I remember, I remember going to, you'd probably be arrested today, you'd have 2 called at the house today, but I remember going to the <laughs> Leinster football final with me and Dublin in about 1976, I was six, and uh, Daddy picked out some woman in the stand, they were sitting watching the minor game, and said, I am going down to umpire and just keep an eye on that young fella, and off he went. <laughs> And I I was happy out because I could see him. Like, the fact he was 125 metres away. And uh, so that was kind of my background to it in a way. And then I used to do the line in Cusick Park and Paddy Collins would be a good friend of the family. And uh, that's kind of... So maybe there's all this element of, like Marty, like kind of hereditary, it's in the genes in a way. And you're used to, you know... And then obviously I I picked up hurling, but that was kind of just a stroke of luck because I was doing both. But there was a shortage of hurling referees more than football. So I was told after doing a course in Portlaoise uh, years ago, did the same course for football and hurling. Then they came to the exam and I think the late Tony Jordan was um, a very good mentor of mine. And uh, Tony came around and he said, are you Barry Kelly? I said, yeah. He said, you're doing the hurling exam. I said, okay, grand. Probably struck a stroke of luck too, Mike, Mikey and Rory, because uh, there was a, about to become a kind of a, a gap in the hurling, really. Like the likes of Gerald Harrington, Dickie, Sean McMahon, Pat O'Connor, Pat Horn were... Well established, but after them, there was a bit of a gap and mm. I would lucky enough to be able to kind of half fill that gap. But yeah, so like, you know, it's kind of maybe a link to hereditary or it's in the genes or something. <laughs> yeah. I, how like many all Ireland Finals?
1: How many all Ireland Finals did you do, Barry? Four, Laurie, yeah. Four, yeah. four. We're playing. Yeah.
2: So... Rory, I suppose the other way into it is, is almost is, is the guilt way, I think, which is quite common around Ireland because, you know, every club has to contribute a referee or at least that's the thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, you, Rory, being chairman, secretary, General Dog's yeah. body, St. Pat's up there for a while now. How do you find that process?
1: Well, it's a, it, that's a very good question. Um, the very beginning of this year, there was a clarion call went out from the county board to say if each club didn't contribute a referee, it could impact on your fixtures and your ability to fulfill fixtures, which scared the pants off me, I'll be honest, because we do we had a ref, we had a very, very good one actually, um, uh, was Robbie Farrell was his name. He was, I didn't know that did he make it all the way he's up Tinter County. We have a good lad now in the club at the minute, but he's not originally from our club. He's he's living in the area as Gary McCormill. He's Be well-established on the Dublin club scene. Barry might know yeah. Gary. And like, all Gary, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, you, yeah. so look, look, look the, the reality is it's just, it, it, it's still, even at underage level, it's still a very, very difficult job to try and convince people to do. I mean, I'll give you a, a quick story. Last week we ran the street leagues, which we call the mini All-Irelands in the club. Now I was heavily involved in the administration of it, which is I must have put in forty hours last week. Don't tell the boss. But <laughs> um, so yeah, it was like four or five hours, and then all day, sat, every day, and then and then all day Saturday in the lashings of rain. But we got a complaint in in the middle of the week um, from a couple of the referees in the junior boys section. This was under eights now. Under eights, right? And a couple of complaints in from the referees who are in their teenage ranks. Like the referees themselves were only boys and girls of 14, 15, because you know it's pretty simple enough to referee at that level, one hop, one solo, and just move the ball on. And they got a couple of complaints in saying that they're not gonna do that particular section again because they were getting abuse. And I it was I was just I was just dumbfounded. I just could sorry from, from players leave. or parents. Well, I w- when I went to tackle it, I what I said was I don't actually care whether it was parents, coaches, players, or whoever. I just thought it was embarrassing and pathetic. I mean, under eight street leagues, I mean, what are you at when that's the kind of like and and it, I suppose it comes back to the culture and I know certain commentators in the media have been writing about it I I just find the whole thing apparent I mean like as if somebody in there refereeing a game at that level firstly cares who wins or loses they don't actually care who wins or loses so I mean It's just i don't know i mean it's a very very difficult thing to tackle from a club perspective i think it's not getting any easier we saw at the beginning of this season a whole host of county boards putting out the clarion call on all their social media accounts to try and encourage recruitment the problem is probably being exacerbated now and i don't think situations that surrounded that incident in roscommon help matters at all
2: yeah On that, um, Marty, to you first, what was your reaction when you saw the story about Kevin Nocton in Roscoffman and what happened to him?
3: Um, When I first heard about it, I was like, I felt numb to hear that a referee gets assaulted on a football pitch. You can't uh, get words out. It's disgraceful, like,
1: it's It's, utterly despicable and disgraceful is what it is, isn't it?
3: Yep, uh, for a a volunteer as well, which Kevin still is, and just to to be assaulted by your fella is just despicable
2: yeah and we, we we do still have to say alleged assault because at this stage we don't know well, um, whether there will be yeah no don't worry that's my job we don't know whether there will be any kind of criminal charges here we don't know what's going to happen at this stage not a lot done um barry as i <laughs> said rather ghostly before we started you've been around the block a few more times than marty you've probably experienced a bit of this yourself in your time i don't know to what level but but what was your own reaction when you heard about the
0: Russ yeah, yeah. like obviously, again, echo what, what Marty said and uh, again, send best wishes to Kevin, who I don't know, Kevin, but you know, i know lads in Roscommon and you know, good fella. And you know, and it's not even a question like nobody can say like he's, he's a good referee or whatever. Like, that's almost like saying that <laughs> it shouldn't happen because he's a good referee. It shouldn't happen <laughs> because the referee is already it. Yeah. Uh, so, like, you know, I, I, I'd be lucky. Like, okay, I'm refereeing, but this day about 28, 29 years, maybe th- for close 30 years. I'm, I wasn't as, as young as uh, Marty starting out, but it wasn't too far away from it. And they uh, like, never had, thankfully, touch wood. Never had that level of, you know, aggression in terms of physically. You know, obviously plenty of comments passed, but it really is though. It's, I mean, that thing that Rory mentioned with under-8s, like I mean, that's mind-boggling. And you asked was it the players or the, or the parents, and and Rory said obviously it, it didn't matter, and he's right, but. I, I'd say in, in, invariably it is the parents, and then it's fed into the kids. Then, yeah, kids, I agree. Don't, yeah. kids don't behave like that. Like, kids referee games on greens across the country and, and referee them fairly among themselves, like since Moses was a child. Like, it's not, you know, it, this is, um, it's a parental thing and it's a, it's a societal thing, really. Like, I refereed a game the other under 19 and a, a young fellow from one of the clubs involved. And there were three points down, with seven minutes ago. And he just said to me, he, Barry, I said, I'm, I need treatment and I took a knock to, to his leg. And I said, yeah, no problem, actually. And uh, I stopped the play, but literally just indicated the physio to come on. But the physio had not set a foot on the pitch when some guy in the stand was bellowing. I mean, bellowing. It's not a head injury ref, get on with it. And I was like, like you, you, the gossen is allowed to be treated. He wasn't killing time; they were losing. Like it did, wasn't his interest. He needed some kind of attention to his leg, uh, and I didn't delay long. Like I mean, physically, come on. 15, and it's not the young fellow's
2: nature to ask the referee to stop a match to get treatment either. That's no. you know, we're not we're not talking about Premier League footballers here trying to no, buy time.
0: It wasn't like they just conceded a goal and they went down to you know tactically let <laughs> buy a, buy a timeout here. This wasn't. It was no, it wasn't his interest. And but the guy and Stan just. <laughs> Automatically, I mean, he hadn't gone to his knee to, to kind of get treatment and suddenly the guy roaring in like, and it is completely societal in terms of, um, there's just, and i said this repeatedly, like there is just no allowance made for the referee to make a mistake. And we don't roar at players who make mistakes. Like every player makes lots of mistakes. David Clifford makes mistakes, uh, kicks wide, and you don't see the Kerry fans turning on him um and it's just there's actually zero allowance made for we, we expect yeah. perfection and it's yeah. so it's so and Rory mentioned there and I know you mentioned jokingly about the split season and holidays and so on. Like with the growth in LGFA, and there is a complete dearth of uh ladies refereeing matches, mm. like, certainly in Westmead. I don't think we've any, or if we have, there's very, very few. So it's a crossover now in terms of Camogie LGFA underage football hurling split season uh it's impact even more so now in that there's huge pressure because the majority of games are played now between say june and obviously october and you just haven't got enough ref- well we're getting by but you know if a few guys in westmead stopped refereeing three or four guys in particular stopped it would cause a huge uh, backlog because there's just not people to take their places and Oh, yeah, we are the average age of referees in Westmeath. them hazardly guess is probably very close to 50 years of age um, yeah. so going forward that's not sustainable
1: and what's the cut off point Barry what, at what age do you have to stop or do you not have
0: to well, like, uh, at, uh, at club uh, lo- level can you keep going till? yeah a lovely man called John Joe Brady and, uh, from Milltown Pass and he refereed the Westmead County Football Final Senior uh, in 1972 and I saw him refereeing recently John Joe is in, 70s. in 70s. And, and oh, that's a great story. We'd have to get John on. <laughs> there, there is no, like,
2: there is no. I
0: know inter-county obviously is fifty, yeah. um, but there is yeah. no, there is no cut off. There's no cut You
1: yeah. got
2: fifty years ahead of you, Marty. Fifty You're years 50 ahead years. of you.
1: But 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 but, Mikey, I think um, Barry makes a really key point there as well in terms of the societal aspect to this, <clears throat> and I think in a post-COVID world. I think society in general is a little crankier. I think there's a level of stress that was added to the entire COVID thing. It was kind of a low level of stress right across society, which has made people... Um, more cantankerous uh more impatient i think if you if you double that down and you couple that up with the level of online abuse and how much people can get Mm -hmm. away with and in that environment as well i think it's kind of fed into um a sort of a a culture whereby people feel that they can say and do whatever they like at this point because I, I think it's just, you know, I, again, to go back to Barry's point, it is a societal thing and it, that's a that's a very big oil tanker to turn around in terms of people's attitudes and behaviours and that's going mm. to be really, really tricky thing for the GA to manage.
2: Yeah, I, I, I don't know, just I'll come to you a second, but I, I almost find the opposite. From a personal point of view, Roy, I'm just so happy to be going out to games now that mm. actually the results well of course it matters, but like I feel a kind of a freedom when you go to a match now and it's, it's a nice it's kind of a release. But um I suppose, Marty, you you're refereeing almost entirely in well with the last few years in the Covid era. I'm just wondering I'm I'm hoping you've never experienced anything along the lines of what happened in Roscommon, but but what have been your Let's start just with the negative experiences. Sorry, just because we were kind of talk about Ross Common here. Like, what have you? I suppose the verbal abuse. As that study for most university recently said, that's kind of a given. Ninety four percent have experienced that. You say twenty three percent of have, have um, experienced physical abuse. What's kind of the worst thing you've you've experienced yourself?
3: Um, worst thing. It was the one I can remember. Vividly is the one. This was the minor final I refereed a couple of weeks ago between Moore and English, and it was a very, very great game of football between two great teams. And I think it, this this was after after extra time, after the game finished. I'm with my linesmen, my umpires, and then. A fella from from Moor, he just walked up to me and he said, you should hang up your whistle. And I was like, okay, yeah. I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to turn, walk away. But...
1: What you should have done, Marty, is you should have handed it to him and say, well, you know what, if you want me to hang up my whistle, here, why don't you have a go if you can do a better job?
3: Yep, yep. <laughs>
0: Um, Corm- so- Cormac, Reilly, Cormac Reilly had one there recently the Irish Times um,
2: oh,
0: yeah. interviewed by um, Gordon Gord, Gord Manning. Manning I think
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. Cormac did a match recently and uh, Cormac a very experienced official and a very sound fella and some guy approached him and he could hear him coming in a way he was loud and he was about to berate him and began to berate him and Cormac turned around and just said to him can I have your name and phone number? And could okay, that generally stop the lad tracks any of our start? And then suddenly Colin said to him, because referees course and nav in about three weeks time, I want to put your name, I want to, I want to put your name forward first. And yeah. now that might, might not always work, but can, can I just say Mikey as well though, in my experience, now look, I'm not saying my experience is everyone, far from it, but players by and large are fine. Mm. The majority of players, like I'm in charge underage team, I'm involved in my own lads play, um, go to lots and lots of matches, uh, referee lots of matches. Like the other night, that match, under 19 match, said Lomans and Moat, a very competitive game. Like, I honestly don't think any player spoke in a negative or questioning. Maybe one player did. I played advantage and it didn't accrue for him. And the five seconds were gone, but I explained to him, like, and then I was fine. But it, it's not, players are by and large fine. Mm. It is the, the lads on the sideline. Uh, obviously mentors in particular and then the crowd in a way and that's obviously you know kind of Rory mentioned this as well is that that's nearly a a bigger in that how do you like how do you solve that like how do you you get around how do you stop people like they're going to tell you very quickly you've no jurisdiction outside the four white lines so therefore he can show what he wants in a way even clubs are probably pop a like you know going to matches or you know Half these people aren't, aren't even members of clubs, and yet they feel they can just you know I, I did like Kieran Channon's suggestion recently in the examiner after the Roscommon common uh, referees withdrew their services, and he was saying, Kieran Shannon, that if if there was a a national withdrawal by referees over some weekend in the next three or four weeks, when, as you know, every single county of the next three or four weeks has a plethora of. Big, big, big games. games. Yeah. And if you had, if you were people like, in the G8 world, which is a huge community, if you were people on a Friday evening and Saturday and Sunday with no match to go to, that would really focus the minds. Mm-hmm. That would really, that mightn't work, but, and I'm not advocating it, so if I thought Kieran Chan's idea was, you know, I know I'd be lost myself if there was no match to go to this weekend and whether I'm refereeing or not. Yeah. But like, if you had that across the country as regards, might make people think, hmm, don't think much of these lads, but this does show they're pretty valuable or pretty intrinsic to the whole operation.
2: Yeah, because uh, I get to it. Like, well, now is was good times. Any, we do seem to it to to me, Rory. It seems to be it's a cultural thing. I'm onto my my third club in my GA career, storied, uh, medal laden GA career. Tomon Camaras was the club I played with as a child and as a teenager until I went away to college. Then I played a few years ago for Portobello. In a very low level Dublin junior football, and now I play for Greystones in junior hurling. Every one of those clubs, when you're on the sideline, everyone will at some point say referees never give us anything. Where where like it seems I've been very unlucky. I played for three black sheep clubs in my time: cameras Portobello, and Greystones. The three of them are on a blacklist with GAA's in the counties of Wexford, Dublin, and Wicklow, and they never get a fair shake of it. But I think I'll be shocked to hear now, Rory, that there's probably a considerable contingent in St. Pat's and probably down in Nemo, who probably used to say the exact same thing. There's this idea out there among GA people that, you know, Marty and Barry there are out to screw them and there's nothing you can do about
1: it. Now, like even last weekend, uh, we played Plunkets in in a sort of a winner takes all. No, as luck would have it, we qualified anyway and we're playing Vincent's in the quarterfinal of the Senior 2 Championship because Vincent's got relegated from Senior 1 last year. That's in a couple of weeks' time and something, a big game for the club to look forward to and we really look forward to it. But, you know, we lost by a point out in Plunkett's and, of course, the narrative afterwards was the ref gave us nothing. Well, I, like, that's, it's just not true. Like, I mean, I, you can see, like, if you can take off the blinkers, I've you can see this no matter what games you go to. By and large, referees, as far as I could see, they don't care who wins or loses. They don't like they're they're there as neutral observers. A lot of the time they're on, you know, a bit of an unfortunate aspect because they can they can have both sides shouting in. And um when you don't have umpires and you don't have linesmen with you, you know, it's a very it can be a lonely and it can be in an intimidating environment at times. Um, and I don't know how you get over that again. I mean, you know, recruitment for referees alone is difficult, let alone to try and supply them with umpires and and, and linesmen or lineswomen, as the case may be. But it, like, there is that perception out there that every, you know, the ref gave us nothing and all. I just, it, it, to my mind, it's it's such a sort of a junior mentality at this stage. And it's really infantile, juvenile way to look at things, you know, sort your own house out if you're beaten, by and large, it's not never you, it's never the referee's fault, it just, it's your own fault, you were either not good enough or you didn't play well enough on the day, I think yeah. Barry made one very key point there and will be it for me to, you know, um, push the gender card here, but that's something that I would find a little bit, I would say disconcerting or alarming, but I do think more women need to be encouraged to come into it and need to take it up. Um, it's 50% of the population. And I would say if you were to look at the amount of women that are currently doing the role, it's probably very, very small in percentage terms. It might only be less than 1%. That definitely is a target market that the GEA need to go after if they want to improve, improve, recruitment and try and boost numbers. Yeah.
2: Marty I am getting the impression from you that your, your experience of refereeing is 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 largely positive and I, I you know which is a, which is a great thing to hear um, kind of culturally I suppose one thing I'll get on to Barry with re- uh, soon because he's obviously more experienced of it at, at a very high level but the idea of the appeals process and the idea that as soon as once you've put in your report that's basically you're done you don't have any more input into a disciplinary procedure and as we know at inter county level um, and a club level um the ability to get a red card or a suspension overturned is it's very prominent it's unlike other sports it seems you are almost more likely than not to succeed with an appeal in the ga is that something that you've come up against is that a frustration for you that perhaps somebody does something on the pitch you say that was a red card all day long i got that decision right and next thing you see he's eligible to play in a game the next week or uh, any instance like that for you
3: um, I have sent a few people off, and
1: people get sent off in Toronto.
3: <laughs> well,
2: <laughs> never mind him, Marty.
3: <laughs> um, I just on that. Um, obviously with the appeals, all we ha- all referees have to do is just report. All you have to do is just write down by by rule what you've seen and why, and obviously. The red card, you just put it on the red card section. That's all you can do. Obviously, appeals—we've nothing to do with that. And with say, if you see, if you do see a player that you do sent off playing the week after, as you said, Mikey, um, it's it can be mind boggling in a way to to figure out how that appeal got overturned. Obviously, I don't tend to know if the player is going to be playing next week or the week after. I just I just write down by row what I mm-hmm. see and hopefully the,
1: the appeals process probably is too convoluted though and maybe does need to be simplified. But I think there's a onus on everybody. I think right across the board, and I don't know how the two lads feel about this, but I think the media plays a part. Like I don't by and large when I got involved in the Sunday game I tried to reduce the amount of ref bashing because I thought it just served sort of no purpose but I do see it still quite a lot in British TV um, uh, Sky and BBC for instance they do tend to get into it now look I suppose they can probably afford to go down that road a little bit more in soccer and professional sports because the referees are professionals themselves isn't that correct Barry would that be fair yeah no yeah, I, I think, a, a, I, think
0: yeah. it's, I think the average premise of referee is probably including expenses it's Maybe over 150 grand a year. I think it's 150
1: grand a year. Yeah, yeah. So I suppose, look, maybe there is a a higher, higher bar whereby they can be held to adjudication. But I do think everybody, like the LGFA, the media, the governing bodies themselves, the GAA, supporters, players, parents, it's a massive melting pot, a massive cultural melting pot that needs a mind shift change. And that's going to be difficult.
2: And the the building block there, Barry, and this is something you I think you mentioned on the championship with Damien Lawler during the summer when you know the disciplinary system at inter county level was really in was was really in the spotlight. And you made a very valid point, which few people have made. Now that most county boards speak out of both sides of their mouth, because yeah, on the because one like hand you're at you're inter-county good. level they're trying to get somebody off, yeah, and on I the other hand they're, they're, they're judge and jury good. for club for for club matches, and they're supposed to be yeah. they're supposed to be the keepers of the rule book. Um, and yeah. this this kind of um this contradiction, I I think is one of the that and as Roy says, the media, which is a fair point. I think they're the two biggest issues we have in terms yeah. of discipline. Personally.
0: I, I'm, I work at a secondary school in Mullingar and it'd be like the principal uh, catching a kid smoking behind the trees on, down the avenue and yet he himself goes round the back of the school and has a, a quick sneaky cigarette. So It's double standards completely. That doesn't happen in our place by the way just to mention <laughs> my, uh, the principal, principal in case he's listening uh, he's, probably, he's probably, probably wondering why I'm not in class at the moment. But, to um, but yeah, the, the other thing too, it'd be interesting over the next few weeks uh, how many players who get a straight red card in a county championship semi-final will actually miss the county final. Now, I wouldn't like to... I would say very, very few. Like, the whole appeal system, and and I know Marty there, and he's obviously younger, and maybe you could say more naive, but uh, there was a point made previously that, oh no, you just referee the game, don't worry about the appeals. But I mean, that doesn't stand up in the sense that you are being undermined, you do take it personally, uh, it is, you do take it as a reflection that you got a decision wrong, or something, someone thinks you got it wrong at county board level or, or higher up. Um, and I, I, I do think, I mean, in other sports, mentions before, like it's just, you know, like, Johnny Sexton gets a straight red card next October in the World Cup semi final. He has virtually no chance of playing in the final if Ireland gets to the final. None. It won't matter if he's about to retire and he's got a, been a great servant. He will not play in the World Cup final. That's virtually certain. That is not the case in the GAA. Guy will not miss a county final or an Ireland final. Um, I mean, at this stage, it gets a bit boring in the sense that we keep going back to John Milan took his medicine. That's 18 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's still, he's still It's 18 years ago. How come no one else has taken the medicine since? Mm. Darrow Shea got sent off below and Kerry before the 2002 football final, I think, and it, it became a double yellow. Or it, it, he played at, at the time when bands kind of were different. And you covered all matches at the time uh, and there's been a load more since like it should be very simple like, and it's far too heavily skewed in favour of, of the lad who gets uh, sent off like it's just not right and I don't think it helps I'd referees themselves would be very angry about it. umpires feel very strongly about it um you know you report something in good faith as Rory said you have nothing against the guy who got sent off there's no one saying he's a dirty player and like, it's you know, you get caught speeding down the road at sixty-five k an hour in the fifty k zone. The guard is not saying you're a bad driver, but you're caught that day. That's mm-hmm. it, like mm-hmm. you're not a bad driver, but you're caught. You're wrong, and you're not a dirty player. Yeah, but you pull the red, red Bad car defense. You're gone. How important, uh, lads, is?
1: Would you think communication is on the field? Like, the reason I ask is because I was lucky enough there for the past couple of All Ireland finals and semi-finals where, um. The GAA gave us access to the Reflink, so I was able to hear now they they withdrew the service this year, and I think on the back of what happened between Arma and Galway and the full-time whistle, so you can kind of understand why maybe they wanted to withdraw it on that occasion. but um up until then we had we were able to listen and I like the first thing that was very noticeable to me was how au and top class they were communicating to the players. How on top of it, how they were communicating to each other, communicate, communicating to linesmen, anything behind me that I need to see, anything going on down that end. This was all really well done. Even the interaction with the players, and Barry made a point earlier on about how players themselves generally are fine. I mean, when I, I was listening to some of the county players and some of the stars of the game, and it was utter respect. Like they were, mm. they were, they might question a decision, but it was done in why? What, what, what was that for? Yeah. And, and, and but So is communication on the field essential, do you think? And then the second part to that question is, do we think if the public got access to this and could actually see and hear the, the how, a refer, how a game is refereed in the mechanics of it by the referee themselves, would it lend to a better understanding by the, by, by the general public and reduce some of the bullshit that we see,
0: like what happened in Roscommon? Yeah, I, I, I won't dominate this completely, but the uh, communication, yes, of course, but it just that with the number of referees you need, like some people, it just they're more taciturn by nature and more reticent and just you know in their jobs or they might be dealing with people. I'm lucky, I suppose, in a sense that I'm a teacher, you know, your communication is regarded as reasonably important in my job. So you're used to dealing with young people and chatting to people. Um, other people wouldn't, wouldn't be that comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at the highest level, obviously, yes. But the problem is that, you know, the lowest common denominator is the lad referee in the junior D match. Mm. Um, and then the referee who's, you know, not that experienced or just, you know, doing a favour for his club. And, you know, maybe feels that if I'm questioned by a player that, and been undermined, and mm. so that that's difficult to kind of you know. I think be no harm if people heard uh, what the public, if the public heard what at the top level, yeah, what players say, how they interact. Um, mm. But that wouldn't necessarily reflect uh, what goes on maybe at the lowest level. Yeah. The, very, the very last thing, the very last thing, Mikey, in this talk, yeah. is that, and this is now it's a compliment yeah. in many ways, is that people in the GA world unfortunately, and I say that word probably ill-advisedly, care so much. Their club, and you've had many clubs Mike, but their, their club <laughs> your club, your local team you're so heavily invested in it and you want them to win. It means so much to the parish it means so much and then obviously it brings emotions into it and you want to see your team winning a uh, people care which is brilliant in the sense that GA is such an intrinsic part of Irish life uh, but sometimes, uh, quite often, they care so much that they lose the ability to be rational and to normal, normal people are suddenly like behaving in a way that if they were caught on camera, they'd be like, oh my God, I really didn't realise I did that. <laughs> but like, it is part of the culture that we are so passionate about our local teams and, our, and it's more so even clubs and counties. The majority of people um. really want their club to win. That's yeah. what it really boils down to. You asked Rory, Nemo to win the Club All-Ireland or Cork to win the football all Ireland. Which is it, Rory? Well,
1: that's a tough one. Because we, <laughs> we don't win that many
0: football All-Ireland's at the county level. That would be a tough one. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, I'd, probably, yeah. I'd,
1: probably, I'd probably
0: go with Nemo. Yeah, yeah. Of course you would. And you wouldn't be alone in that. Mikey, you've got a tough one there because you're three counties and three I, to pick from.
2: I know, yeah. you have to come back could to I add, that could,
0: one. Could, could I ask one more
1: question? Sorry, Mikey. And I, I'm just curious on this. Is, is the remuneration satisfactory, do we think, in terms of being attractive for recruitment purposes? I mean, in 20 euro from each team and then maybe a little bit of expenses on top. Is that enough considering the pressures attached to the job and the, as we know now know the amount of abuse that you have to take
2: Marty, are you well enough paid?
3: Yeah, I feel that obviously with uh, Tarun you, you get all money at Christmas by a check, right. check, check into the bank we, we, we would always meet up for a massive Christmas dinner we would get our presentations for what final we done very good through the season, so I know it's a lot different up in the north here. Yeah. But- it's like a
2: Christmas club for you. It's like a savings yeah. thing for a you. The big right? bonus. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's probably
1: done differently in every county, I'd imagine. Yeah, no, no, but there, you in, in
0: Westmead, your your championship matches, um, uh, senior in particular, and some underage are paid by the county board, and again, semi idea, paid into your account at, at Christmas. It, it, you know, other other that league matches and underage championship matches are paid by the club. As you go along, like uh, on, on that, Rory, it's a good question. I think in Westmead, it's 50 for an adult game and it's 40 for an underage game. Mm. Uh, and I would think that it's very decent, to be honest. And I'd be wary about increasing it because then you're going to attract people for the wrong reason. Mm. Like, and people are people doing, okay. doing it for the re- money reason, element, the money element of it uh, is just like and anything really. You have right. anyone in a job and they're only in for the money, Ah, it can cause uh, it can cause problems. I I would think very few referees in Westmead or, or any county are complaining about uh, the money you get. I might complain sometimes you get paid by a club, and that happens all the time as well. Yeah, but but like by and large, most clubs pay, and I don't think it would attract. If you may increase the seventy euro for an adult game and fifty underage, you might just attract people for the wrong reasons. Mm. Okay.
2: Uh, just to go back to the communication question Rory asked her, because Marty, I'd be interested for you because, you know, you were a teenager, you're still, you know, a young man refereeing, you know, men in their 30s and 40s, and they might look at you as like, you know, who who's this chap, you know, with the whistle. I would imagine for you, communication, well, I'd say for any referee, communication is your absolute number one tool, but I'd say for you, it was kind of all you had starting out, so I would imagine that the way you communicate with players, the way you talk and the way you explain things is more important to you than anything else?
3: Absolutely. Uh, Always getting the point across to a player to say what the free kick is for I think is 100% key. And then the players respect it in a way. But as uh, I'm pretty sure Barry said, uh, players are 100%. They normally don't react in a way that's what you would find. Can't get the word
2: that's yeah. aggressive or kind aggressive, of anyway negative. Yeah,
3: players
0: yeah. aren't the issue, really. No, by and large, they're not. By and large, they're not. Yeah. Mikey, I'm curious though. Before we finish it off, I'm curious. But I'm not really curious because I think we know the answer. Uh, I'd say Cork won that under eight tournament, Did you, would you?
3: They <laughs> did,
1: did, did, did actually. <laughs> I know not. had the biggest team. <laughs> all, the, all, the, all the best players. They certainly did. Yeah,
2: did, and you got did. you got the right referees on their games yeah, too, yeah, didn't yeah, you? Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, No, they yeah. did.
1: Ah, oh, chase. That's a gas one. They actually did. The
0: yeah, yeah. Corner, yeah, yeah. Surprise, surprise. There.
2: Yeah. Um, so uh, thanks very much for joining us. Uh, I suppose the next question is Marty, when are you out next? What are you refereeing next?
3: Uh, well, tur- it's the the junior championship starts this Sunday. I am doing the line in one of the double headers on Sunday.
2: Right, you. Go. And you, Barry, where are you out next?
3: No, I'm not, I'm not nothing
0: fixed at the moment, Rory. or uh, Mikey. No, this weekend is into quarterfinals of uh, Chatham I and mean, just happen not happen to be out and. Uh, But again, that uh, Martin mentioned there, a great learning point for referees is doing the line for experienced older referees or even doing umpire. You learn so much by, you know, listening to what goes on, even the dressing beforehand, a bit of banter and, you know, referee comes in and got a bit of stick and you realize, God, even the experienced guys get stick and how you deal with it. And that's a really crucial learning point that you get Mm. people to to give a hand to even do the line. And and Rory mentioned earlier, you go to an 113 match and you didn't really have to beg people to do umpire or do line like eh? I enjoy really... doing the umpire I do
1: umpire quite a bit I, I actually enjoy it, it can, <laughs> can be quite a
2: quite a eye-opening there,
1: experience
2: there you go lads if you're short any weekend you have a willing a willing <laughs> accomplice <laughs> really, yeah we'll get him a white coat he'd be grand well, look that's I, I really enjoyed this chat and I have to say I'm glad to hear that we've got two referees one halfway through his career, judging by John Joe's experience, (laughs) and one starting out in his career, and you both enjoy it, and you both have good things to say about it, and it's nice to hear that we don't pretend there aren't issues with refereeing, obviously, and that was highlighted last week, and I think we've gone through a lot of them there, but it's nice to know that, you know, you you enjoy doing it, it's not a penance, it's not like a chore, it's something you like doing, and um, hopefully this podcast will have encouraged a few more people to sign up, honestly I do it myself but I'm still playing and I've got young children and I have a list of excuses as long as my arm but Rory, Rory sounds like a budding referee we have him, we have
1: him on the hook lads <laughs> too too busy you now with the, you know actually one final story there was actually re- really funny Barry, I was talking to Desi Dolan once upon a time and he was saying you were refereeing him in a, in a club championship match because you do football as well as we know um, Gary Castle I think is uh, Desi's club, Yeah. And uh, he gave it, dis- you gave a decision anyway against Gary Castle. And Desi came running out, you know, shouting and roaring at you. <laughs> you were quick enough to tell him to pipe down and finished it off by saying, You're not in the Sunday game no, pal.
0: <laughs> <laughs> can't, can't, can't annoy it. Maybe, maybe, maybe I was jealous you'd get more Sunday game gigs than I was. Uh, Actually, <laughs> can we finish it off that? Just, I, I don't know, Kevin, at all, but. Just, I know I appreciate Kevin is recovering and, and has recovered and all that. But uh, just would mm-hmm. pass on best wishes. Like you know, every referee would echo that. I'm sure, and uh, you know, you hope you know, hope in a way that you know that we're not doing a podcast like this, or maybe we are in six months' time where we have seen a significant improvement or a significant we'll level of behaviors. Yeah, like you're still going to get lads shouting at you. You're not going to you're not going to cure that overnight or maybe ever. And if if the worst that became was people shouting at you. Uh, that's not, that's, I think we could deal with that, it's when it goes beyond that and people are confronted or, you know, um, even like the one that Marty had, hang up your whistle, telling a 21-year-old to hang up his whistle, like, it's just, you know, and like, even that, look, he wasn't abusive as such, he wasn't, you know, if we could improve right. that last person, so just pass on best wishes to Kevin and... Yeah. Uh, thanks very much lads
2: uh, thanks very much to you both lads and uh, yes. myself thank and Roy you. will be back yes. next week and uh, we will chat to you then good luck thank that's you a goodbye over!
1: we earned it by winning the last two matches on the road and that's not going to be taken away from us for what I love in hurling, I love players that will never give in he hits it he hits it what? it's over the bar oh
2: holy Moses